And we're live. Welcome to Don't Be Coy. I'm your host, Uncle Lou. And today I have the honor, pleasure, and the utmost appreciation to have with me today, Miss Taylor Floyd. Taylor, thank you for being on the show. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How's your week been? Uh, pretty good. Just catching up from uh, being back home of, to Florida over the weekend. Okay, that's good. That's good. So for the people at home, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I am originally from Jacksonville, Florida, a little bit outside and kind of in the suburbs. Um, moved to Seattle recently, um, almost about a year ago now uh, for work. Had an amazing opportunity to come out here and pretty much since then just been trying to adjust to that change and learning and growing what it's like to really be an adult on my own for the first time. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. That's kind of what I want to talk to you about today as far as like settling into a new chapter in your life. Um, so like, I know one thing that you're doing is just beginning a career. Um, how has that been going for you? Yeah, honestly, I will say it's been pretty tough. Um, just because before I was in healthcare, I was actually a literature major, like super niche. I was in East Asian language and literature. Um, specifically in the modern period, period. and um, so coming from that, which is a really undefined, like free space to create and think, which I think is where I flourish, versus the very prescribed and like rigid world of business and management, <laughs> um, that adjustment has been difficult for me, and I think just kind of how I think. Um, another thing too, is that this is my first time navigating, having like a salaried position. I mean, I've worked since I was like 15 years old, but it was always like, you know, however many part-time jobs at the time to, mm -hmm. you know, get by and do what I need to have to do. Um, so in that way, kind of like learning almost like a culture, a way of life and how different it was from the way that I was raised and kind of just sometimes stopping and thinking to myself, like, this is really how I live right now and yeah. things like that. Um, so in that way, I think that's been the most difficult part, I guess would be a way to say it um, in terms of just rewiring my brain and making that adjustment. Yeah, no, I, I can totally understand that as far as that big shift towards like starting off and getting your undergrad in like literature and moving into like this kind of rigid environment of healthcare. Would you, um, say like from the expectations from what they were in your mind to what the reality is, is it a little bit of what you would anticipate it or is it a little bit different? Yeah. I mean, it's totally in line with what I knew it was going to be. I think the biggest, uh, disparity in expectations would probably be of myself. Mm. Um, I think I've always known kind of, you know, the way that I think in the environments that I've done well in and kind of stayed within that comfort zone. And I've always done so well, you know, in anything that I've done that I've never, you know, really questioned any decision that I've made, no matter how big of a change it was. Um, but I think by far, this was like the most humbling experience of um, for really for the first time being challenged as a person mm. if that makes sense no that makes a lot of sense i think like you know when you're starting out new chapters there's always like growth opportunities especially when you talked about being from florida and now living in the pacific northwest and like 
all of these different types of growth opportunities, not only for self, but just community in itself as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And like building that base and building like who you are as an individual person, like how would you say like um, you've capitalized on some of those growth opportunities? Honestly, I, I think the biggest way that I've really, you know, tapped into those has been learning to lean on others. Um, I think when I first came to Seattle, I was alone for about two months. I moved here ahead of time and I literally knew nobody. And so after that isolation, I really became so comfortable in that space, especially after being so independent, you know, growing up and up until this point in life, I think I had gotten too comfortable mm. being alone. And so when I came to work and I started working and I realized how much I was struggling to really feel like I was fitting in and like I was being successful, and it really wasn't until I started reaching out to people and people started linking me to things and networking and things like that, that I started to realize like that was the helping hand that I needed to really get into that space of learning and growth. And mentorship has been like the biggest, biggest thing for me, especially mentorship from you know, someone who looks like me and came from the same background as me and how much that's enriched me, you know, professionally and as a person too. Um, I think in that way, that's the biggest way that I've, you know, learned and grown uh, through the time that I've been in Seattle so far. Oh, okay. Well, that's really cool. Um, so like, I kind of want to touch on that a little bit, like your time whenever you first got here, maybe about eight months, eight, nine months ago compared to like your time now, mm -hmm. like what would you say is the biggest differences between like your personal and professional life mm -hmm. then to compare to like now? Yeah, professional life, I would say it's a lot nicer now that I know I for sure have like found my people. Like I know I have people in my corner. I have like a good team behind me. So in that way, I don't feel as isolated as I did when I first came. And I also think I feel more comfortable. Um, I got a lot more confident in terms of being able to be honest with those people who are in my corner about things that I'm struggling with, things that I'm feeling. And, you know, sometimes just having to have those difficult conversations about, I really don't know what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. And those happen a lot. Um, and then I guess personally too, I truly think that I'm nowhere near the person that I was before I came here, mm. just because I think that those two months that I was alone was like life boot camp, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when you're just stuck in like a studio with no car no friends like nothing to do nowhere to go like no community nothing and you're just totally shut off and you're just sitting there with your thoughts all day long you really really confront all of the things that you put off for a really long time yeah and so in that way i really struggled during that time but i came out so much better afterwards like i really felt for the first time truly content like there was a lot of before I think I felt, I'll say, quote unquote, happier, as in I always had lots of friends. I always had lots of things to do, but I think a lot of it was just escapism from really dealing with things that I probably should have a long time ago. Um, so in that way, you know, that period of time by my own, kind of like, you know, uh, Emerson's 
novel Waldo when he was like by himself and just contemplating on things. Mm -hmm. That's really how I felt. I felt like I was having my Waldo moment, but like in a studio apartment in downtown with like somebody yelling down the street outside of my window. Um, So in that way, I think I grew a lot personally because I was actually able to confront a lot of things with myself and actually have some uninterrupted time. Like for the first time since I was 15 and I'm 24 at that time, 25 now, Um, so like 10 years of just working and really like looking forward and pushing forward and never stopping, like never pressing on the brakes, just, just like gas to the ground. Um, and really having that first time without having to worry about work or getting up and things to do, like also that lack of purpose, I think really helped me figure out, you know, what are my motivations in life? What are the things that I like doing when all of that is taken away? All of those things that I have to do, what do I want to do? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, you know, I really like what you talked about there between like the differences between the personal and the professional. But like a common theme that I hear or hear you saying is like finding that comfort zone, whether it was personally where, you know, you had to endure some of those growing pains and understand like um, really and truthfully just building your own self and like reengaging with who you are now as a a 25 year old adult and then also professionally and like setting yourself in that new career and understanding those growing pains as well. I'm really curious from your perspective, like if you don't necessarily mind sharing, like what that actually looked like for you enduring some of those growing pains. Cause I think, you know, we all go through this kind of incubator period where we're in like a little bit of flux and where we don't necessarily know to go up, down, left, right, either of those type of things. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really interesting that you said taking that time to pause. So I'm curious around what some of those lessons that you learn um, through those growing pains that you've used to actually turned out to be assets for how you use them now. Mm, Yeah, for sure. Um, So kind of like I said, um, and actually I think the, real breaking point for me was actually I had a meeting with someone and it was maybe the second time that I had talked to this person and immediately they clocked me. They were like, I can tell you're a person who has done nothing but just work and look forward and was just pressing, but you don't have any direction. Mm. It's like, I didn't care if I was moving forward or if I was spinning out as long as I felt like I was doing something. Yeah. And that was really, really hard to realize because I'll kind of tell like a little thing is that my brother went to uh, Princeton University and when he came home, he had like his little like, you know, slang or whatever that he had picked up from there. And so one of them was NARP, which stands for non-athletic regular person. And I was like <laughs> dying laughing about that because I was like, oh my God, that's literally me. Like yeah. I'm just like a normal person in terms of like, you know, my brother has sports. My sister's an amazing, amazing, talented artist. So there's people that have like those demonstrable talents that mm. can be channeled into some type of medium. But truly for me, I think my talent has always been my work ethic and the way that I've pushed myself to succeed. Like that's where I feel talented. That's where I feel successful. And so when those things are taken away, and you feel like you truly are like not contributing anything yeah. because I wasn't working at the time. So who am I? Then? Mm. And like, it's something so simple as like, do you know, I didn't even have like, t- like 
bathroom mats in my bathroom because I didn't even know what color I liked. (laughs) (laughs) I put off making the decision of buying, you know, like bathroom stuff just because I was like, I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah. Like, I I don't know like who I am without all those things. And then also the other thing too, is that because I was, you know, I loved being in school. I loved being a learner. Like I think that I had like that cloak of stability around me of being like a student. And so graduating from grad school and knowing like there's no more school to be had, Mm -hmm. that was tough too. So that was another huge piece of my identity taken away. And the last thing as well was that I think another huge sense of purpose for me was with my family as in I was the one who sacrificed to stay home close to everyone. And, you know, if something were to happen, I'd hop in my car, drive the hour and 15 minutes back to Jacksonville from UF, you know. And so now being 3000 miles away and an eight hour flight away from my family, you know, not being having that alkylate of like being that person who steps up in like those family situations. That was just like another, like another like badge ripped off Mm -hmm. the vest. And so it was like when all of those things were stripped away, it was really tough. Like there was a lot of tears. I think there were some moments where I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, is it too late for me to go home? Like I'd just be sitting up on like my laptop and be like, how much is a flight home from Seattle to Jacksonville right now? (laughs) Yeah. And, um, I truly think that like it, I guess the closest thing just to summarize is that it just was like, it broke me and coming out from that was when I started to have people extending their hands to me, Mm -hmm. reaching out that hand and being the person to like pull me up from like those shadows, like that shadow work, you know? Yeah. Um, that was when I started to come out of like, I did that time, you know, in like the prison of my own mind, I guess. And then it was time for me to come out and be a member of society again. And it was rough too, you know, in that transitionary period between like, okay, you know, like I'm, I'm back out. I have things to do. I have a job, you know, I'm starting to make friends and everything. And that companionship and that sense of belonging and, you know, knowing that there's that comfort in the solitude now it's not scary anymore Mm -hmm. um you know I guess just for anyone who like also is going through maybe like that that piece where they're like I'm like never gonna come out of that (laughs) yeah you know um for me it came in time and I think it came organically in the right timing that it was supposed to and I think that was like the first time in my life that I didn't feel the need to control it. Mm-hmm. I just let it happen. And that was a really important lesson for me too. Yeah, no, I think, thank you for sharing that. I think one of the things that's really interesting that you talked about is like earlier on when you talked about um, your talents, right? And like one of your talents being like a direction or driven and driven individual. And so like, what I'm curious about is like these kind of um, experiences that you faced here in Seattle, like, was that something that you kind of intentionally did? Because there's a reason why you came out here, right? Like mm-hmm. you knew that you wanted to pursue your career. You wanted to put yourself under circumstances that would grow you professionally and potentially take your career to the next level. So like 
some of these different things, were they some of the expectations that you felt that you were going to put yourself into? Or was it something that was just like, oh man, what did I just do? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it was a little bit of both, honestly. Um, The reason that I came out here truly, when I strip away like the job offer, the reason that I came out here was because I started to feel like if I didn't get out then, then I never would. Mm. Um, And a big thing for me is that, you know, all of the women in my family, you know, historically speaking, like going back to like my mom, my grandma, um, thinking about the sacrifices that they made in terms of staying in one place, you know, for whatever reason that was for Mm -hmm. family, for children. And I always remember growing up, like the biggest piece of advice my mom gave to me that like stuck with me forever was take your time and, you know, maximize the life that you have, seek out those opportunities for yourself. And it was rough coming out here because I think she didn't anticipate when she gave me that advice that it would encapsulate me moving literally across the country. Mm, So there's a lot of uh, family pain there, you know, on both ends of, you know, me struggling with, is this right of me to leave? You know, do I have the right to leave? Um, versus this is what I know I need for myself or else I will just literally be complacent the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that way, like I said, when I strip away, you know, the generic answer that I usually give to people of, you know, oh, I got a job offer. um, Truly the reason was because I knew I needed to push myself in that way. I knew I was taking comfort in the confines of the people that I knew, the places I had always been, um, the comfort of being able to hop in the car and, you know, go see my mom, go see my family within an hour. Yeah. Um, and I knew that I needed to take that away and that it would always be there if I wanted it. But I knew that I needed to have a period of time where it wasn't there. Yeah. So I'm curious, like you mentioned that you just came back from home. So what does that look like now? You've been in yeah. Seattle for like eight, 10 months, you would say. And like you've gone through a huge transition period, right? Where I don't know if you do you know your favorite color now? I do. (laughs) Yeah, it's green. (laughs) My bathroom's green now. (laughs) Okay. So you have your favorite color now. And that's, that's a good sense of like who you are as a person and building that identity. So like going back home, like what does that look like for you now? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a totally different vibe for sure. Like knowing that when I come someplace, it's not easy for, it's not easy for me to know when I'll be able to come back next. It's not easy for me to get there. I truly think, like, I really believe in the, you know, maxim absence makes the heart grow fonder. Like, it's Mm -hmm. really, it's almost like the time is more meaningful and I'm more deliberate with the things that I do and the people that I see and like, you know, who I give my time and energy to now that I know how precious that time is, you know, with like PTO constraints and traveling constraints and, you know, making sure I get to everybody while I'm home, um, I definitely think it helped me reprioritize, you know, like what's really important to me. And it definitely wasn't easy either. I think I'm still learning what it means to be someone living far away from my family Um, in the way that like when I came home for Christmas, which is the very first time I came back from Seattle since I had moved, um, there was definitely a little bit of like uh, contention about the fact that I also spent quite a bit of time visiting friends Mm. and it was because I felt you know 
I wanted to see everybody. I felt obligated to see everyone. I wanted to fit everybody in on the trip if I could because, you know, I didn't want to come home and have anyone feel like, oh, Taylor's home. I wasn't important enough for, Mm -hmm. you know, her to visit me. So in that way, there was a lot of pressure in that way where like every single time I come home, I feel like I got to let everybody know, at least just put it out on the table so that people don't think that I'm like deliberately ignoring them and things like that. And that's just like the people pleasing in me. That is a part that I'm definitely still working on. Um, but from like a family point of view, I think it's definitely different too. It was an adjustment for my family for sure, because they had leaned on me for a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so in that way, it was also kind of learning to set boundaries with my family and giving myself permission to do that. I love that. I love that a lot. So like we've talked a little bit around like, you know, how you were when you first coming out here and like building at where you at right now. I kind of want to focus on that a little bit Mm -hmm. on like, how do you define yourself presently? Yeah. um, I don't know. I think I'm still definitely a work in progress. Mm -hmm. I think I'm starting to find that person that I am, you know, get in the bathroom organized, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like it's silly, but it really is like a metaphor of like, just even a simple decision such as that, I just felt so overwhelmed by like that. I, I felt so overwhelmed that I didn't even know what to do, mm-hmm. that I couldn't even pick up a color. Like, girl, it's like a $10 bath mat. Just buy it and take it back if you don't like it. <laughs> like, it's really not that deep. But it was deep in the sense that it was like really forcing me to confront. I didn't know who I was. And the fact that up until that point, I really had kind of just been comfortable going along with whatever, you know, my friends were doing at the time, whatever my family was doing at the time. I had thought I was such an independent person until I came here and was forced with like those, you know, literally just day-to-day decisions and I was crumbling under them. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. You know, we all talk about how we want to be, how we're all independent. And like, you know, there's a, especially in our culture and like, especially in our age group, there's like uh, a pride in being independent, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, there, there comes a lot with getting to that point. For sure. And I think one of the challenges is that confronting like what that independence means it's not just like paying your bills which you know is a thing in itself Mm -hmm. sucks Mm -hmm. yeah for sure trust (laughs) me yeah for sure (laughs) but um confronting the the whole ice the whole sense and like identity and Mm -hmm. that independence and like understanding who we are in a person when we're alone and not have our family or our friends or significant other to to lean on So I'm curious around like in that kind of still state where you were like figuring yourself out and all those kind of things. What are some of the tools that you utilize to help identify like green is my color? Yeah, for sure. Um, So I think a lot of it had to do with for the first time just feeling like I had the space to implement the things I had been working on for so long. So Mm -hmm. I go to therapy. I'm totally, you know, not afraid to be transparent about that because I really think it's important in the destigmatization of like, you never know what somebody's story is, what someone's journey is or what therapy might mean to them. Mm -hmm. I go to therapy. I went to therapy for five years and during that time I was taking everything in I understood everything you know I could see everything very clearly because that is one thing about me is that I'm like 
almost to a fault realistic with myself. <laughs> I'm very self-aware. Yeah. And so in that way, I was taking everything in, but I felt like I was just never had the capacity. I never had the stability to actually implement those mechanisms, those Ooh. coping mechanisms, those tools. And so even though I was in that space of really feeling like that was like a, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, like an all time low of just, you know, like really having to face myself for the first time. I also was on my own. So left to my own devices, there wasn't any lean on my friend or call my friend to come over and let's just do something else and forget about it. I was yeah. forced to use those tools. It's kind of like, you know, if you get dropped in the forest by yourself, you could watch all of the survival YouTube videos of like the dudes who build stuff in the woods, you yeah. know? Um, but until you're actually put in that situation and you're forced to, you don't ever really push yourself to implement it. And so that was my thing. I was dropped in the forest by myself and it was like, make a hammer out of those twigs in that rock mm -hmm. or sink, you know? Yeah, no, I really like that. And I really like your analogy because like one of the things, and just to be transparent as well, is that I go to therapy as well. And so like one of the things that like I like to talk about and like that metaphor of the forest is that how I, that's how I like to describe my anxiety. Mm. Like the common state, the calm state, that's a plain meadow. But when I enter the forest, that's my anxiety because that's when I'm into a place where I don't necessarily know what's left. I don't know what's right. The forward and the backward just seems like everything is surrounding me and um, um, surrounding me at one place. And so like what I'm curious about is with you and talking about going building out a hammer out of those twigs, like how were you able to implement those or what was that first kind of trial, if you will, mm. that you were like, OK, this is what I need to do. These are the tools that I need and this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah, I think the first thing was when I realized nobody was coming to save me. <laughs> <laughs> When I was like, um, I can't just call somebody and ask them to get on the plane and come eight hours. So mm -hmm. like that was off the table. And then I think I also slowly started to realize that like I was skipping out on like activities of daily living, like taking a shower, brushing my teeth, eating. I lost a bunch of weight because I literally was just like a vegetable on mm. the couch. And I like I have this term for like this thing that happens to me a lot. I call it scribble brain mm. where I feel like I can't unwind the yarn of my thoughts mm. in my head. And there's sometimes that I can. And a lot of times I feel so overwhelmed with all of the things It literally just feels like this little like gif of like scribbles in my brain. <laughs> and so I was having really bad scribble brain and I wasn't thinking straight. And then I remember very distinctly of like, it took forever for me to get a couch because I didn't have a car and I didn't know anybody to be like, hey, can you take me to the store? <laughs> um, and so I remember I was like laying, I had one rug from Ikea, one rug on the ground. And I was like laying on my back and like looking up at the ceiling. And I was like, when was the last time I like saw another person? Mm. And that was the very distinct memory of when I was like, something's got to change. Like I got to do something about this. And so it kind of started with like just getting out and walking around the city. And that was like my first step. And then once I did that and I started, you know, exploring and seeing that I was fine, like another day would come, I would go about my business. I could even do fun things. Um, and then, you know, with that, 
friends started coming, you know, I had started knowing the lady at the H Mart by my house who like, now she sees me every day. She's like, girl, you're back here again. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) And just little things like that, like learning again, you know, there are reasons to pick up those sticks Mm -hmm. and make something out of them. Those Mm -hmm. are the reasons to do that. Like otherwise you just sink because what's the, what's the reason? What, what, what would it be for anyways? So finding those little reasons to pick those sticks up, finding the reasons to make that tool, finding the reasons to use that tool towards something. Um, I think finding that motivation again was, you know, really how I started unlocking those things that I had been learning during those five years. Yeah, no, that's a really beautiful way to articulate that. And just to keep on going with this metaphor. So we're in the forest, you've built a few tools. Like I would say that you're pretty much thriving there. You have all everything that you essentially need, I guess, the question that I would have for you, what is it that you're trying to build within the forest? Because you intentionally brought yourself here in a mm. sense of saying, like, as your driven individual saying, like, OK, I have these goals. I want to not um, be stuck in Florida, if you will, but be able to explore the world and just see how that is. Like, what is the ultimate goal to what you're trying to build this towards? Yeah, I think when i think of that metaphor of you know being in the forest i think back to the one time that i think in my past at least you know since before i came here when i really looked and i was like god this is just a beautiful moment Mm. was when i was studying abroad in china and we went to go see one of the local mountains there and i looked up and i just saw you know we had been driving for some time to get to the top And I was seeing all these little like scattered communities throughout. And I was like, this place is beautiful. There's so much life around and all of these people have their own lives. And there's so many people who are different than me that I will never intersect with Mm. in this gorgeous, gorgeous place. And that moment was so poignant to me that I think thinking about that metaphor of like, you know, I'm thriving in the forest. I have my little campfire. I know how to fish, you know, i got some seasoning growing out back (laughs) like (laughs) you know thinking about that metaphor I think the ideal state would be once I've done that I have the option to go to the road and go see my neighbors or go to the town that's right outside of the forest having the option to do that but not feeling like I need to Mm. that's the success to me yeah no that's a really beautiful way of articulating that so like to escape the metaphor a little bit What does that town look like for you um, personally or professionally? Yeah, Um, I think for me, it's really important for me to be around different people. You know, going back to that, like really poignant memory I had back on the mountain in China, just I'm so fascinated and humbled. And honestly, it makes me feel better to know how small I am, Mm. because then in turn, it helps me understand that if I mess something up in the grand scheme of things, it really does not matter. There's people living lives that I will never intersect with and so many different things happening all in synchronicity throughout the entire universe, not even just here on earth. And so thinking about that town, I think that looks like diversity. It looks like people who are living different than me, who bring something new to the table. And I think that's what I was really trying to escape 
letting myself doing is just staying in the same place with people who think the same and have always been there and you know just being in that comfort I think that town looks like kind of like Seattle I guess where there's lots of people who have come from different places and people coming and going some just here for a week some people here for years um I think it also looks like you know how towns have little shops there's different resources and tools which could be metaphors for skills and things that I pick up Mm -hmm. different things to do um I think getting out has been really important for me um especially given, you know, like the COVID area era, it's really hard to give yourself permission to go out and feel like you're not like, you know, uh, trying to compromise anything or, you know, whatever perception might come along with however you're choosing to like lead your life in the pandemic. Um, so yeah, to me, I think the town looks like that place I can go in go to the little corner store if I need to stop in on my friend who lives down the street and things like that. But then at the end of the day, I got to go back to the forest and be on my own and fend for myself. And I think that dichotomy is incredibly important, but it's those people that you meet while you're in the town, you know, that person who might just be passing through. It's that knowledge. And also again, just like that reassurance of, you're where you're supposed to be. You are one small piece in like this grand fabric of life. Um, for some people that might feel scary, but for me, it's quite comforting. Yeah, no, I really like that. I think that, you know, one of the things that it makes me think about is just like, um, you're in the midst of this chapter currently and like thinking about what that particular next chapter could look like. And so like understanding like, who you are as an individual and like how you're intersecting or interacting with just not only yourself, but how you can take um, the lessons learned from each one of these particular chapters Mm -hmm. in your life to grow it and become a overarching individual. And so like, I guess I think that that's just a a really beautiful way of just articulating that in summation. And like, I really appreciate you just taking out the time to just share your story and all those other kind of things. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. So if you don't mind, I do have a few lightning questions that I like to do on every episode. So if you're ready, I can go ahead with those. Go ahead. All right. What is your favorite relaxation or self-care activity? Uh, Watching TV. Ooh, (laughs) what's your favorite show right now? Um... Right now, I really like Outlander. Oh, I I love like the escapism of it, but also like the historical elements. I gotta have like a little bit of reality. Like I said, I am, I am a Virgo Mars at the end of the day, so I do have to have a little bit of logic. (laughs) (laughs) What is your best book recommendation? Ooh, Um, I really liked a book by Maxine Hong Kingston that I read and I can't remember what the title of it is right now, mm-hmm. but it was so good and it was so transformational for me. And basically the book is about her feeling the pressure of her family's expectations of her being a first generation immigrant. And I cannot for the life of me remember it. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> cool though. I wasn't called. I'm pretty sure with the title, we could be able to find it later on. Yeah. And one person you want to thank for your journey thus far. Ah, my grandma, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. She passed away in 2018 and truly her, her passing is the reason that I am here today and the reason that I've been able to go on this journey. Um, and I think that the message that she left behind and, and 
the weight and responsibility in a good way that I feel to carry on her legacy, carry on her memory, and also show her um, that all of her investment into me, you know, she basically raised me um, so that she can see the person that I become and know that she had an incredibly huge part of it, that I wouldn't be here without her. Oh man, that's absolutely beautiful. Well, thank you for taking out the time and thank you for just being vulnerable and transparent with me today. Sure, thank you. This has been another episode of Don't Be Coy with Uncle Lou. As always, I'd like to thank this episode's guest for a great conversation, as well as thank you, the listener, for joining in. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular, I always appreciate your support. If you like today's episode and ever want to listen to more, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And to join our community and access future bonus content, be sure to visit dbkpodcast.com.